What's up, everybody? Welcome to Speaking Llama, a Survivor podcast. My name is Alex Christ, one of your co-hosts. Today, we have a great matchup for you of two former Survivor castaways going toe-to-toe to see who is better in outwit, outplay, and outlast. Get excited. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. This is Caleb Loomis. We are in a new year. First time recording back at it. Alex, how are you doing today? Caleb, I am doing pretty well today. I'm excited to uh, jump back into recording. We've taken about a month off uh, and we're back at it with a great episode and uh, I'm ready to kick 2021 off with another episode win. Wait, so uh, Alex, just to be clear, you haven't been practicing your podcasting? So it sounds like I'm going to have to carry the show just like always. Thanks again. I will let you carry it today. (laughs) Well, Alex, uh, we've got, as you said, another great matchup for this episode. But before we get that, as always, my question of the week has to do with who we are talking about. Mm -hmm. But Alex, you know, there are big mistakes that happen in Survivor and big blunders. And, and we're going to be talking about two people who have two of the biggest blunders. But also, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And we can say, like, that was a terrible mistake. Of course, at the time, you know, it's a calculated risk for them. And so I, I'm going to call these frustrating moves as a viewer. Other than the two we're talking about today, what is one of the most frustrating, stupid, just mind-blowing mistake? that someone has made on Survivor for you? For me, it's not just a mistake that one person made. It's actually a mistake that eight people collectively made. And it would be Survivor 19 with the Ooh. Galoo tribe <laughs> losing an eight to four lead week after week after week of the merge of that season. It, it is so frustrating. I don't enjoy watching that season. I do sometimes, but I don't enjoy it just because of that strategic blunder from that tribe but what great television what amazing television depending on who, who you're rooting for but yes <laughs> well listen as someone who didn't like russell hans but loved watching galoo implode wow what, what what a season yeah and where's shambo we need shambo back on our we our do seasons. need yes we man. i mean we don't but we do no we do though like shambo is such a great <laughs> character Man, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm intrigued why she hasn't been back. Maybe she just didn't like the experience. Maybe she's been asked back. Who knows? I know, but it, in all reality, Dave Ball should have definitely been invited back. He was or, one of the funniest players sure. of all time. I crack up every time, every time I watch him. Oh man, good times. Yeah, well, so for me, one of the like, ones that jumps out into my mind, uh, and it's really easy for me to say this, especially watching the TV, but survivor ghost island which this is a spoiler if you haven't if you haven't seen it like mute us off for the next 30 seconds but laurel doing nothing for (laughs) not nothing that's that's really an over exaggeration but there are two like clear powerhouses in dom and wendell and then what's the most frustrating part about this the way they edit it because like for five episodes straight we have a confessional from laurel going yeah, I just got to do something about these boys. I got to do mm-hmm. something about it. And she's like, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything. And so from a viewer, very frustrating. I'm sure from her, it, 
you know, it got her to final three. So I can't knock her. I can't knock her too much for that. Cause it got her to the end to give herself a chance, but without doing anything, she got there without any chance to win either. So it was just, I, I, I can't, Alex knows that there are some, fr- I'm frustrated with some players from those seasons, but on a rewatch, I was like, Laurel, what are you doing? <laughs> well, especially because it was like the doors open a couple of times. Like yes. Des from that season was like, all right, we're taking out one of these guys. And then Laurel runs and tells them and votes her out. It's like, right. come on. So, right. Yeah. Which like, you know, like I said, uh, if I'm in her shoes, maybe I don't, I, maybe I do the exact same thing. But I, I don't know, because I also know they had both Dom and Wendell, and it was known by people that they had immunity idols. And so I'm sure that is scary trying to take a shot at them knowing that. But true. Anyways, you got to have big moves. Big sometimes, moves. sometimes, Alex, you have to be willing to risk it all to play to win and not to lose, which leads me into my introduction for these two people. But first, Alex. Why don't you give our disclaimers to our listeners? As always, uh, we are going to be talking about the castaways, two castaways in particular this episode, and what we've seen on the edited TV show of Survivor. We don't know these people in real life, and so we can only talk about what we've seen. That is what we'll be going off of today. Also, we will be spoiling a few episodes today, um, and those or sorry a few we will be spoiling a few seasons more than a few episodes alex right more a handful of episodes and those seasons are going to be season 15 survivor china season 16 survivor micronesia fans versus favorites survivor 20 heroes versus villains and survivor 26 karamoan fans versus favorites too so if you haven't seen those seasons and you don't care about spoilers keep listening if you do care about spoilers get over it and keep listening anyway. <laughs> wow. Very harsh, very harsh, Alex. But uh, so Alex, we have, as you kind of mentioned, if people haven't put two and two together, we are talking today about two of the survivor players that have made some of the dumbest, worst mistakes in survivor history. And that is Eric Reichenbach and James Clement. Eric plays in season 16 Micronesia and season 26 Caramon, which are both fans versus favorites seasons. He is actually the fan, a fan from the first season and comes back as a favorite for the second fans versus favorite secret seasons. Uh, and he actually finished fifth in both of those seasons. So at the very least, he is consistent. Uh, and James first showed up on our screens in season 15, Survivor China, where he finished seventh, came back the following season for fans versus favorites, along with Eric in season um, Survivor Micronesia. He finished seventh in both China and Micronesia, and then he comes back one more time for season 20 in Survivor Heroes versus Villains, one of the greatest seasons of all times and finishes 14th in that season. So we've got two really interesting matchups between both of these guys, and we're going to be talking about their stupid mistakes that they make along the way. By no means, Alex, are these two of the best Survivor players to play the game, but they are definitely two of the most memorable Survivor players to play the game. Yes, memorable, and, you know, we we like the Survivor community, Jeff Probst in particular, loves to call these two guys out for making dumb, stupid moves. I agree, but also, they had some good moves, too. 
Oh yeah, um, for sure. And, and some really redeeming qualities of their game that isn't necessarily talked about a lot, right? Jeff Probst isn't talking about Eric and James's great strategy or social ability or physical dominance at the finales that they're always at. He's just talking about their two infamous moves. So I'm excited to kind of highlight some of their better qualities as well. And to debunk some of the, the you know the surrounding mistakes, right? I, I'm going to argue that Eric's, uh, just so everyone's aware, I'm arguing for Eric today. Alex is arguing for James. Uh, I will argue Eric's move as not quite as terrible as we might think. Okay. All right. Okay, who is going first today? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You know, I am, a, I like to consider myself a gentleman at times and, and really just a humble person. So Alex, really? why don't you take the lead on the opening statement? All right, I have a few things to say about that comment, but <laughs> I don't want to digress any further. For James, I want you to close your eyes and picture James. He is one of the most physically intimidating survivor players you'll ever meet massive he's got to be what six three six four yeah, taller no, than I, that I, no, I don't know i couldn't i couldn't find his height super buff guy and our introduction to james in survivor china is when one of his tribe mates asks him what he does for a living and he just looks at her and goes i bury people <laughs> James this massive guy he is a grave digger and it's like that's just the, the perfect moment of like oh you're terrifying but I'm intrigued by you but you're also hilarious and have this great sense of humor and really likable and so he's such this dynamic character on Survivor and dynamic castaway I wish I really wish James had this like beautiful metaphor where he like buries the competition of every tribe he's been on and every season he's been on. Unfortunately, I, <laughs> that's just simply not accurate. And so I can't go with that. But what I can go with is that he did play a very consistent and solid social gameplay as well as a physical gameplay. I'm excited to dive into that a little bit more because there are a few issues within that, but overall had a really good social play and really good physical play despite being taken out two of his three seasons due to an injury and so kind of a big intimidating guy being taken out from injuries is a tough way to go out but i'm excited to dive into his game a little bit deeper to be clear i just want to clarify for those that don't quite remember it james was officially medevaced on survivor micronesia he was voted out on heroes versus villains because he did get injured and his tribe needed to keep stronger people around uh, but his heroes versus villains was not a medevac. True, true. But he was injured two of those three seasons. Correct, correct. I just didn't want people to think like, oh, he got medevac twice. To your point, Alex, it doesn't take away that like, yeah, I mean, he in part doesn't go farther in heroes versus villains because of the injury. However, he does survive one vote because even with the injury. You're stealing my thunder, man. You're stealing it. All right, what what's you your know, opening statement for Eric? I didn't think about this until you said it. So here we have this dichotomy between James, this giant barrier of people using a shovel, if you might will. I'm sure he uses some shovels. And then we have Eric, who's this little skinny kid with his ice cream scoop. So just, just picture James with his giant, James in this giant shovel, like not James in the giant peach, that children's book, uh, James in his giant shovel and little Eric over here with his ice cream scoop. And let me tell you what, Eric is a force to be reckoned with physically in Survivor. 
Well, they should have uh, been captains of the David versus Goliath season. They should. Wow. Jeff, I know that you're listening to us because you really enjoy our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so here you have James and Eric both make two terrible mistakes in the show. But, but also what I love about Eric is his just love and enthusiasm of being on Survivor. He is just so excited to be there. And so we have this super fan of the game that is also maybe not the best socially. I I think he finds himself on the bottom initially because of poor social gameplay. But Eric understands what it means to play from the bottom. And because he is able to do that and to strike when necessary from the bottom, he does really well in in survivor along with his physical gameplay it is because of his physical gameplay that he gets himself farther in the game and when most people think about james as opposed to to eric james like screams physical threat in survivor china he is stolen from his tribe because he is a physical powerhouse but eric might be more so and that's what's so dangerous about him is that he's not quite as physically th- imposing and threat- threatening at first, but he truly is one of the better physical players of the game. And I'm going to talk about that in this and why I think he is a better survivor player. And like I said at the beginning of this, neither of these players are great survivor players, but I think Eric is better than James. Okay. Okay, and I think they're both good Survivor players. You know, they're not scrubs. They've been invited back hey, at least listen, once. They, James made seventh twice. Eric made fifth twice. You, it's you can't be a bad Survivor player and get to both of those spots. I'll also mention that and Eric's other fifth place was because of a medevac. So right. both of these, we, we know how to pick the players. It's like we plan it. So Caleb, kick it off without wit. And again, as a reminder, this is the social part of the game and this is the strategic part of the game. And so what, what's Eric's outwit game? Yeah, I mentioned this in my opening statement. He is at, at initially in his both of his seasons doesn't do a great job of setting himself up well socially in the game. In both Micronesia, when he, he he's fine in his initial try, his initial fans try, but when they have the tribe swap, he finds himself on the wrong side of the votes because they blindside Joel and he votes with Joel. And so now he is on the bottom. And then in Survivor Caramon, he also finds himself on the bottom because he doesn't, Philip kind of approaches Eric and says, hey, like we have the numbers so you can be with us or you can just be on the wrong side of the numbers. And like Eric takes offense to that and he's like, I'm, and for whatever reason decides He's just going to be on the wrong side of the numbers and chooses to be on the wrong side of the numbers. And so, which, which is like not a great survivor move, right? You have someone coming up and telling you that, Hey, we have the numbers vote with us. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, he finds himself on the wrong side of the numbers in both of his seasons, but in both of those instances, he then lays low is told like kind of has this approach of, Hey, tell me what to do. I'm going to, use my strength, use my physicality and my work around camp to help the camp, the tribe out and use me as your vote as you go. And, and in both of the seasons, so in Micronesia on that swapped tribe, he 
survives two votes because uh, of Chet and I can't remember her other name, but it's the other older woman that swaps over with Chet get voted out because they need they that tribe keeps losing challenges and so they need eric and his physical ability to try to win and then they go back to tribal for a third time and this is where one of his better social gameplay moves he knows that he's on the bottom he knows that he is about to be the target of the vote and he knows that amy from that tribe who was on the favorites tribe originally has been talking about wanting to blindside ozzy so what does he do? He takes that information, gives it to the majority alliance, and gets Amy voted out, saving himself, and they merge the very next day. It's that mentality of he just has to get himself to the next point, playing from the bottom. And then we fast forward to Caramon in a similar way. He finds himself on the bottom when the tribes merge, or not merge, but swap, he actually goes on, their tribe goes on a massive winning streak uh, because they have like all the best uh, <laughs> people and, and Sherry in terms of, uh, <laughs> in terms of physical competitors. It is my favorite tribe minus Sherry. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which like, no, again, I've, I'll argue that Sherry like plays a good, a solid game in that, but in terms of physicality and physical performance, right. She's not necessarily adding to like when you have Malcolm and Eric and, I think is Reynolds. It, it, Reynolds. Yeah. He finds himself uh, at the merge in the majority Alliance after not having been in the majority Alliance to begin with uh, on his original tribe. And he bides his time and waits to strike when he needs to. He strikes against Phillips uh, in that. What a great tribal council with Malcolm or with the, the three amigos. He flips his vote to get Philip out. And then also later on, I mentioned that he has found himself on the wrong side of the numbers in his first tribal council because he tries to vote out Andrea. Well, what does he do? He gets his revenge. He finishes out a couple days later, not, not a couple days later, many days later, by giving Andrea a hidden immunity idol to make her feel safe and then blindsides Andrea with the rest of the tribe. Again, it's that idea of... He knows where to play from the bottom and how to strike when he can. And so is a social game outweigh gameplay great? No. Is, is it good enough? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, he finds himself in fifth in both of his seasons, which is very tough to do for a survivor. And because he gets medevaced, it's, it's hard to say how far he goes. And we'll talk about this in the outplay portion uh, because he was a – a challenge uh, threat in that season. And, and yeah, we'll talk, I'll talk about some of that stuff later, but yeah, those are my outwit. I agree that he's on the bottom a lot. I think you're overselling his game in Caramona a little bit, you know, that vote for Philip, that was Reynolds, Eddie and Malcolm trying to bait someone from the majority Alliance to vote with them. He did vote for Philip, but it didn't change anything. Like they still negated all the votes except for Philip, And so it didn't matter. And he didn't stay with them. Like he could have then rode with the three amigos and started creating a new alliance, but he didn't. He just kind of fell back into being the bottom of that majority alliance again after he voted out Philip. And then the thing with Andrea, he didn't like strategically give her the idol going, Haha, I'm going to make her feel safe and then vote her out. No, he found it and held it there and she grabbed it out of his hands and he let her have it. And so it wasn't this like, that's that's more just circumstantial that's not strategic 
But okay, you know, Alex, you have made lots of arguments for people where it's circumstantial. Yes, uh, and you but call we me also, out every single time. But we also don't know, right, that Eric could have made that move to say, I don't I, I know that the idol is going to put a target on me, so I don't want the target on me. To the I, I'll understand your 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 frustration with my argument about the Andrea thing, but back to the Malcolm the, the three amigos thing. Yes, he does not go along with them because he decides that that's not his best route to go now that Philip is gone. Right. So, I, don't, I think it just demonstrated he's kind of this rogue voter, especially that oh, season. Sure. Where he's just he's going going around, which is a strategy. I just I think you're overselling it a little bit. But but here's the deal. So he does that. He should be a a target next because he's he's flipping if you will from right and he and he receives no backlash from the tribe for that because they're all like hell-bent on getting out malcolm and reynolds again so that, like that's he's <laughs> making that he knows that strategically he, he could have done that, anything he, kno- he knows that i can reynolds. do this and still save face with the tribe and so right, right i'm not saying that i'm not saying that it's this masterful gameplay but i am saying that his outwit is there he does make some uh, interesting moves again i think his best move is getting amy voted out in micronesia yes that's a great move and, and, and it's it's what he needed to do right to get him and, so. and, I, and i go back to say like he finds himself on the minority and he plays a very strong minority game of that i'm gonna huddle down and wait and let other people make mistakes and and capitalize on those mistakes as i can okay all right I'm going to move on into James's outwit category. And Caleb, you mentioned in your opening statement, it's really interesting, this kind of David versus Goliath, where Eric is kind of the smaller statue, but he actually plays a really physical game. What's kind of cool is the opposite in terms of outwit and like the social game, where James is this really physically present guy, but he's actually the one in the majority alliance often and the really social player compared to Eric it's an interesting dichotomy between the two in terms of social game and physical game, because they aren't playing the game you think they would play when you just look at them uh, upon first glance in survivor China. The first couple episodes, he has a confessional where he shares that he's most worried about the social aspect of survivor because he prefers to be by himself with his career and with his life and things like that. We love a good role model for introverts on survivor And so what's cool is that he is nervous about that, but that ends up being one of his strongest points of any of his games is his ability to relate to people and be in majority alliances and be that social player. In China, he was voted out at the final seven, like we said, because his alliance deemed him to be such a threat, especially with the two hidden immunity idols, which I'll talk about later But until then, you know, the pre-merge, he was in the majority alliance. He got kidnapped and kind of tribe swapped to a different tribe. Obviously, he's in the minority there. It's three versus two and then three versus one. But then when they merge, he's back with his majority alliance again. He's kind of making it. And the majority alliance decided to flip on him because he was such a threat. But until that point in the game, he was in the majority alliance. Micronesia He had that couples alliance with Parvati and Amanda and Ozzy and Johnny Fairplay was in there. First tribal council, Johnny Fairplay kind of asked to be voted out, kind of quit, whatever that was. Uh, Next time they go to tribal, it's kind of two alliances of four with Suri in the middle. Suri wanted Yao Man out, and so she went with the couples. Now James is in the majority alliance. 
and eventually they tribe swap, merge, all these things. And Parvati is the one who flips on that majority alliance to go with Natalie and Alexis and lead the Black Widow Brigade. James was in the majority alliance until Parvati, one of the best players of all time, mixed things up. And then Heroes vs. Villains, on the Heroes camp, he was in the majority alliance the entire time, even when he was voted out and he was just voted out because he was injured. What's interesting too about his social game is how many times James was spared when he could have or should have been voted out, he wasn't. So a few examples in China, uh, after the Feilong tribe kidnapped Aaron and James. So that was a, a twist that season. Each tribe could pick the two strongest warriors from the other tribe and they didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, they just had to get on a boat and that was the tribe swap. Feilong took Aaron and James from the uh, Zhan Hu tribe and they threw the, the immunity challenge to try to get these two guys out. That way they can go into the merge with numbers, which in theory was a great strategy that didn't work out as well as it should have. But they decided to take out Aaron first over James. And I can't remember the exact reason why they said they took out Aaron. Caleb, do you know? Yes, I know. I, I'm going to steal your thunder here. And this is my argument. They take out Aaron because Aaron, they know Aaron is a better survivor player. Okay, uh, great. He's more, they, they, he knew that Aaron was more, so, A, more connected to the uh, Fei Long. And he was like, when he got to the tribe, he was like trying to build relationships and play survivor while James was just like frustrated the whole time. And so they're going to take the guy that's going to be a bigger threat long-term than the guy who isn't really playing the social part of the game to, in cool. their eyes. Cool. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Just because they thought that doesn't mean it's true. And James has proven to be a great survivor player. Let's see. And then again, in China, after the merge, final nine, Jean Robert, who was aligned with James uh, throughout the season, realizes that he's in possession of both idols and tries to target James. At that point, James was then spared, was not taken out, but rather Jean Robert was taken out. Now, that was more kind of Todd and Amanda and Courtney leading that, but James could have been voted at final nine and he wasn't. In Micronesia, the Black Widow Brigade, uh, again, once Parvati left that favorites alliance to go with the Black Widow Brigade, they take out Ozzy first, and that was their main target, uh, not James. They then, the very next tribal council, they are trying to take out Jason and split the vote between Jason and James, just in case Jason has the hidden immunity idol, spare James again. That next tribal council, they would have voted out James, but at that point he was medically evacuated for an infection in his finger. And, and what's cool about that is when Parvati flips, votes out Ozzy, he, James and Parvati have this great interaction where he goes like, what's your game? Like, what's going on? And she goes, sorry, like, this is the game I have to play. And he kind of accepts defeat and realizes it, but isn't the first one to be voted out from these guys who are victims of the Black Widow Brigade. And then finally, I want to talk about this more in the Outlast category, but in Heroes versus Villains, his tribe, after he got injured, still did not vote him out. James had a splint on his leg and could barely walk. And the tribe voted out Tom, who was a healthy, all-around great player, over James because James was in the majority alliance and Tom was not. And so this idea of James being spared because of his social capital in the tribe was present in all three of his seasons despite where he placed and despite who he was playing with. 
So again, we don't see this like scheming strategic dominance from James and, and Caleb, like, you and I love players who are like that, like the schemers, the, the Todd, the Parvati. James just, he's not that type of player, but he is a social player and he's a physical player too. He just doesn't have that strategic side. Now, before you say it, the one downside to James's social game uh, is in Heroes versus Villains. That was like one of his biggest flaws socially is that he gets really, really frustrated with his tribe. Um, in the first couple of episodes, they're losing a lot. The Heroes tribe is completely dysfunctional. They're not listening to anyone. And he and Stephanie kind of have this massive blow up at the challenge, back at camp, at tribal council, leading to Stephanie being voted out. But he's mad because no one's listening. You know, I think Courtney Yates has a great confessional that season where she's like, we like the heroes have such big egos. They're all just talking over each other and they think they're all the best. We know we suck. We just listen to what Rob tells us to do. <laughs> and so it's, it's that idea. And so he's angry. He blows up. He's tired because the heroes aren't listening to one another. I don't blame him for that. I would do the same thing. James, I'm with you. Get mad. You deserve it. Don't let the haters get you down. You, Alex, you've never blown up a day in your life. Not, not yes, in public like that. No, no. Maybe in <laughs> private with close friends, but never, never like that. <laughs> I've never been stranded on an island with That's uh, true. a bunch of make, crazy people. We can make that happen. Um, we could. We could. Is that a threat? No, you know, you're right. James finds himself maneuvering socially better than Eric. But I think a, a significant difference here is he never uses that social capital to do any he never does anything with it in a way in a similar way to eric while, while james finds himself on the majority alliance he, he's just kind of there following along with the main movers of the season and that's not to say that eric has all this intense control over his seasons because he doesn't right but he does he's still like working to affect the game where it, it seems like james especially in china which you know this is season 15 we're not talking about season 33 where like people are flip flip-flopping all around and, and like there's a lot of maneuvering strategically because the game has heightened so much he you know he's content to go majority alliance majority alliance majority alliance and, and until we get to the end and, and that kind of like paganging uh, of mm -hmm. traditional survivor which is a fair like strategy to have but not with todd and amanda and courtney controlling the game uh, yeah. and, and, and like think of china you know James is a very much an old school player. That's his mentality yes. with it. He's playing against Todd, one of the best strategists of all time. And Amanda, who's not a scrub either, like right. with that. PG, who's an amazing strategist as well. And he's kind of a casualty of them. He then goes and faces Parvati and Sari and Ozzy. And I mean, it's like, I mean, he's going up against some of the best of the best. Uh, yes, and which, he just, which Eric also did that uh, in Micronesia yes, and, and fair, But not Karamoan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not Caramon, but I'm just talking about. <laughs> but I think overall, you know, these two, these two castaways, I think they're both missing that killer instinct to like sure. really use strategy to propel themselves in the game. I think the one example of, between the two of them is, like you said, Eric trying to get out Amy because she wanted to get out Ozzy. I think that was the anomaly of this. But overall, they're decent, but they just don't have that next level strategy. Yeah, but I, I would still even say like you see it more with Eric than you do with James. You mentioned earlier, I, I think it's just important because you set up like, well, James kept being spared because of the social capital. Ozzy was voted out first because Ozzy had the immunity idol. 
and they knew they needed to get Ozzy first. And then the split between James and Jason, Jason had found immunity idols. So they're going to target Jason first rather than James. And so while James does have a lot of social capital in his games that helps him along, I, I can't deny that. Let's not heavy hand the, well, he gets, keeps getting spared. It's, he keeps getting spared because he's less of a threat. The other point I wanted to make was with China. He was only a threat physically, and he had two immunity idols, which is why they had to target him. It wasn't because they were scared he was going to win the game, per se, as much as it was he will, he will get to the end and take our spots. Right. right. Let's move on into outplay. And this is both challenges and advantages uh, for these two guys. We need to talk about the two giant elephants in the room. Uh, and that is their two big mistakes in, in, in the game of Survivor. Before we kind of get into all the other weeds of it, let's talk about their two moves. As you know, in Survivor Micronesia, Eric infamously gets the wool pulled over his eyes by the great Suri Fields and gives up the immunity that he had won in the immunity challenge and then gets blindsided that very tribal. Uh, and then James gets blindsided with two hidden immunity idols in his pocket. So what do you have to say? What does James have to say for himself, Alex? <laughs> well, I, I have commentary actually on both, but uh, for James, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll say it here in the next session without play, but he was the first player to ever be in possession of two hidden immunity idols. I think that idea gives a lot of false hope. And we see a lot of people with two hidden immunity idols, not a lot, but a, a handful of them, they do get voted out and they get blindsided. Um, about half the lists were blindsided either with one or both of their idols because it's, it provides this false sense of this false sense of hope. And he was the first one to experience that. And I think, again, James is such an old school player or have that old school player mentality where he's going to trust his alliance and say, well, PG was on the other tribe to start. Why would we not vote her out? Eric was on the other tribe. Why would we not vote him out? Eric from China, not Eric right. from that, right. you know, that we're talking about. And so I, did, I, I think he just simply didn't realize his alliance would flip on him. And, and that's, that's a mistake, right? And it's, it's final seven. In theory, he could have played his idols at final seven, final six, makes it to the final five. I think he he risked it to think, hey, I'll just I'll we'll get PG out and then we'll get Eric out and then I'll play my two idols and then I'm in the final four. I think that's his mistake. But I, I think the inaction of him not playing an idol is not as, as big a mistake compared to the action of willingly giving up your idol to someone else. Now, Eric, again, I'll, I'll let you kind of share your piece with it. But real quick, I, I think him giving it up is more of a mistake uh, because he was safe. He knew he was safe and he willingly chose, willingly chose not to. And I think anytime you give up immunity and survivor, you should expect to go home because if everyone was going to vote out Natalie, right, at that tribal, he knew they were all going to vote out Natalie or thought they might vote out Natalie. If he gives individual immunity to Natalie, all those people who are going to vote for her now need someone else to vote for, and they need to come together to vote out someone. The obvious choice is to vote out whoever gave her that idol. What's really cool is the oral history, I think, that Dalton Ross had of yes. this thing, 
where it interviews Sari and Amanda and Parvati and Natalie and Alexis and Eric and Ozzy and Eliza. And it's like, it's this beautiful thing where all four of those women came together, had their own roles and they really caused psychological damage to Eric. Yeah, yes, <laughs> which and, I will talk about in a moment. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I know you're the one arguing for Eric, but if I'm in his shoes and he was what, like 21, 22? 22. Something like that, 22 turns, years old. He turns 22 uh, on Micronesia. Okay, 22 years old, 35 days into the game, you're a fan, you're playing with all these favorites and you've got Amanda, Parvati, Sari, and Natalie in your ear some of the best most manipulative people who to ever play the game telling you yeah everyone's gonna hate you they're mad at you you have to win you know favor back for us to get any votes i'm i'm probably with him i probably cracked too because yeah. you know poverty would sit down next to me and look me in the eye and say hey everyone hates you uh, you need to do this i think there's a world i listen <laughs> yeah yeah i think you know, I you're right in that like James's inaction is like it's kind of understandable, right? He is trying to, if he if he is right, he finds a path to the final four very easily, but it it should not have been as easy. And and this goes back to his social gameplay. Uh, he is he hates PG and has a terrible relationship with PG. And you have to think that maybe if he wasn't so hostile towards PG, does PG go up to James and say, Hey, they're blindsiding you play one of your idols. And that's a, that's an interesting. What if, if he has plays one of his mm -hmm. idols and how does that change the, the nature of that season? And so well, even right. there, there's a moment where Eric and PG and Denise, like Eric pitched that he PG Denise and James could be a, a final four. Right. And James said no. Right. Back to the outwit category, like missing that strategic piece of it. Uh, because as you said, he's playing a very old school mentality game of let's do this together. Let's get to the end with the people I said I was going to. And as you said, people with two idols in their pocket have, have a false sense of security because they think they'll just play it whenever they can. Like, right. Uh, and and it's, it's that moment that they don't. And so in terms of Eric, and his action of giving up immunity. That was a move for Eric to win the game. He was not playing for second, third place. He was playing to win the game. That's where I think it's understandable for two reasons. A, four women just completely manipulated him, which like, yeah, I'm a 22-year-old guy. I'm going to be manipulated by four women. I just am. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Uh <laughs> And the way they manipulated him is not just because like they convinced him, like Natalie convinced him that he, she was upset for Eric turning on him or vote or like we're not working, working with her and, and it felt betrayed by him and, and it created this narrative. And then the rest of the women created this narrative. Like the jury doesn't like you, doesn't respect you for this. If you want to win, if you want a chance of winning in the end, you have to do this. You have mm -hmm. to redeem yourself. And so that's like, while us as viewers know what's going on, that logic isn't terrible. Uh, and, and he was the, you know, you said that James was the first to have two immunity titles. Eric was the first person to give up immunity and be voted out. You said earlier that like, if you give up immunity, you should be expected to vote it out, which that's not true in survivor history up until right. that point. Two other people had given up immunity and been fine. It actually is Eric sets a precedent of, of 
you know, give up immunity, you're going to get voted out. And realistically as well, the next two people to give up immunity, only one person gets voted out because of it. Do you know who the person who didn't get voted out? I cannot think. I know Brandon Hans did get voted out because of it. I, I can't think of who else did. Chris Underwood. <laughs> so, uh, what, what a great move. What a great uh, yeah. move. So, but, but, but my point is, is like, yeah, it's really easy to knock Eric for giving up immunity, but A, he thinks that he's trying to win the game and B, up until that point, you know, it hadn't happened to anyone before or they'd been voted out. And so this is why in the whole beginning of this podcast, I said, it's easy for us to look at things from the television screen, but in the moment, these people are making fair survivor moves um, based on the information that they have. It's wrong information, but- they're making it what they can. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. And like, like we said, they, you can't deny they're bad moves. Right. Yeah. But, but what I hate is, you know, Jeff at multiple finales going, right. Eric, the dumbest player ever, James, the dumbest. And it's like, no, they, they tried and, and there's context there. Did it work right. out? No, but we could argue a few of those other moves we talked about at the top of the episode uh, of not doing anything for an entire season right. um, could be just as bad or worse. Because at least these two guys, they, they had some reasoning behind it. That's why I would say like that Eric's mistake isn't quite as bad as James' mistake because action is better to me than inaction, right? And rather than playing passively, you need to play to win the game. And Eric tries to play to win the game and it blows up in his face. Yeah. So it was a bigger blow up. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's move beyond some of that. And I'm sure we'll touch on it in this category as well, but uh, for challenges for James, uh, again, I said he was one of the most physically dominant challenge players. What's really interesting is he actually never won individual immunity. Now, right. he wasn't eligible to, or I guess he was eligible for one tribal council in Heroes versus Villains, uh, where both tribes went to tribal council. But he never won. He did win one challenge by himself. I think it was a reward challenge. But beyond that, he had 19 total wins. And so he did have 18 yeah. tribal wins, which is incredible. And, yeah. and looking at his physical dominance, you know, that challenge where the heroes and the villains are competing within their own uh, tribe to win individual immunity. Both tribes were going to tribal council that night. It was like they were attached to a rope that was wrapped around a log and had to kind of throw themselves around this log. He's a big dude and he has a splint on his leg and he's not in last place. I think he, he was beating Colby at that point. <laughs> in the challenge well and you so know <laughs> it shows you he's he's a great player and that like jousting or like sumo competition at the in the mud where he just in one swoop sends randy flying in the air into the mud uh such a great moment in survivor history he was a really great tribal challenge player Looking at advantages, in his three seasons, the only advantages were hitting immunity idols. How he found the two idols in China, if you don't remember, after he and Aaron were kidnapped to the other tribe, Aaron was voted off. James's tribe lost the next reward challenge, meaning the other tribe, his former tribe, could kidnap a player for the afternoon to go on the reward challenge. That was kind of the theme of that season. And so while he was there, he was working with Todd, and Todd gave him the clue as well well as the actual hidden immunity idol from that camp. And it was kind of on the top of their camp. There was a little like overhang, I guess, if you call it part of camp. And it was an idol attached to it. James went home with that, went back to the Phelong camp where he 
he was and found the other one. And so then he had two in his possession. He was the first player to ever have two idols in his possession. Caleb, my favorite trivia moments on these episodes, spoiler warning of the next 60 seconds. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players after James who were in possession of two idols. Can you name them? And for all transparency, when I tried this, I only would have gotten four. Interesting. Dan from uh, David versus Goliath. Yes. Dan Ringerin, friend of the Speaking Llama podcast. Yep. Uh, David Wright. No. No, no. Okay. Tony. Yes, Tony. Um, Three of my favorite players. Parvati. Yes, Parvati, the infamous double idol play. Heroes versus villains. Mm, is it is dom one of them no okay i'm gonna give you the rest because you clearly have no idea uh malcolm had two idols tony so parvati malcolm tony jeremy and survivor second chance had two idols ty uh from korong had two idols or i guess he had it in game changers when he had two idols Dan from David versus Goliath and Kelly Kim from Island of the Idols after the merge. What a, what a great player. Uh, And so beyond that, James was not only the first person to have two idols in his pocket. He was the first person to be voted out with an idol that was eligible to be played in his pocket. Mm -hmm. So really breaking all molds here in terms of hidden immunity idols. And just a fun fact for you, his heroes versus villains luxury item which he won at that like sumo jousting mud competition that i mentioned earlier was one of his idols from china (laughs) nice nice and that's just he's got heart you know that that's a personality that i can get on board with so sure sure that's his outplay game yeah that's 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 great uh you know i i think we can talk about the mismanagement of idols Uh, (laughs) but uh in terms of his out outplay but you're right that it, this is an interesting matchup in that James is more of a social player for his game. Is His game is more defined by social play. Eric's game is defined more by physical play. James only has 19 challenge wins in three seasons. Eric has 20 in two seasons. He has 12 tribal wins and eight individual wins, right? And what's, what's even more interesting about this, as I even think about it, is that in Micronesia, he's obviously targeted and, and convinced to give up immunity because he is such a physical threat. And like the girls think, if we don't take him out, he's just going to keep winning immunities. But in Karamoan, at least from what we see, he's not really targeted for his physical... Like he, he wins some immun- individual immunities and he's not really targeted for it. And he is a physical beast. And th- that's what I meant in terms of at the beginning, he's this really physically dominant player that isn't really targeted for his physical dominance, but he uses that to his advantage to get him farther in the game. You know, we've made arguments before Alex about people's not playing hard in the outplay category so that they lower their threat level. Eric plays hard without increasing his threat level, which is just a weird dynamic uh, <laughs> and unusual too. And maybe that's just because he's such a likable guy. It's like, ah, Eric, like win immunity. Go ahead. That's fine. Like I said, physical beast. And, and, and you know, he really comes on strong in his very first quote challenge in Micronesia. 
you know, they're, they kind of all introduce the tribe, like the, who the tribes are going to be the fans versus favorites. And then Jeff is like, okay, on that other Island over there is two immunity idols for your first tribal. You have to swim to go get them. And Eric beats one of the greatest challenge competitors in survivor in Ozzy to that immunity idol in the swim across. And so here's this like skinny 21 year old kid beating a survivor legend in Ozzy in terms of immunity challenges from the get go. And that sets the precedent for how he's going to play the game the rest of the way. That's true. Also that season, Kathy won one of the other idols, that very first challenge as yes, well. Because so she, Yao Man told her what to do. So let's, no, let's low bar, <laughs> low bar <laughs> or high bar. I don't really know. <laughs> right. But, uh, and so, and then, you know, earlier, like, outside of uh, hidden immunity idols and things like that. He doesn't really have a ton to do with them. Again, you can argue, we can argue back and forth about what he does with giving, quote, giving Andrea a hidden immunity idol or not. But his game is defined by his outplay, but then also how he uses that outplay to endear himself to his tribe and then keep himself alive in the post-merge. And it's, it's truly fascinating that it's like he isn't a threat for his challenge dominance now he is playing against some very notable dominant challenge players both of his seasons but it's just it's interesting and it's sad that no one realized oh wait he's actually a really dominant player and you know i i would do terrible in all survivor challenges except for the one where you draw two rocks out of a bag that we've already talked about (laughs) at least on two different episodes but he does win a challenge in micronesia it's like a survivor trivia challenge Yes. Uh, and I've always thought I would be great at that. So, okay, Caleb, take us home with our last category of outlast. Yeah. In only two seasons, Eric has lasted 72 days. He makes it to 36 days on both of his seasons as compared to James, who only makes it, uh, who makes it to, sorry, not 76 days. He makes it 72 days. James makes it 76 days on three seasons as opposed to, just the two he also only ever gets nine votes against him um and with four of those votes coming in one tribal eric does a a great job of minimizing his threat level even though he's on the bottom and and finds a way to get himself to the end whether that's through striking when necessary and playing on other people's mistakes or winning his own immunities right for goodness sake he he won three straight immunity challenges uh, in Micronesia. You know, you've made points before, Alex, about like people win when they need to. Eric has won when he needed to. Now he's made some mistakes after <laughs> winning those, <laughs> but he has won when he needed to. And I think a tragedy of, of both of these is the fact that they get medevaced in, in, mm-hmm. two, in their seasons. Now, James was in seventh place when he got medevaced. Eric was in, he got, gets out in fifth place and he was already winning challenges at that point and we don't know what would have happened and, and we can always say what if but it's it's more fair to argue i think that eric has a really good shot of making final three does he win i, I don't know i, I think if, yeah. if cochran's there i think cochran wins no matter what just based off of his gameplay uh, and also i think when when don burns brenda so hard i i, I think that it's over for don and I don't think Sherry had a chance. Eddie potentially could have gotten a handful of votes if he was in right. the end. If, if, but if, if, I, if, yeah, I think Cochran, but maybe Eric. 
for that. Yeah, and, like, and, and you know, maybe Cochran gets voted out if, if Eric's still around. And, and that's just what's so tragic about, about his game is that we could have had this story of the kid, the, the young kid who, who gives up his immunity that, and, and gets voted out and blindsided, comes back and wins the game five years later. It's, it's just tough to say what, what would have happened. But in terms of Outlast, he, ha- he does leave a legacy of both infamously and giving up his idol, but also being one of the better challenge competitors in Survivor history. And as I've said before, you get yourself to fifth place twice. You're not a scrub in Survivor. You're a pretty good player one way or the other, no matter how you got there. Yeah, and, and for James, you know, it's Eric beats him on placement. James got seventh, seventh, and 14th. And he also had those two injuries. Now in Micronesia, James gets medevaced because of the infection on his finger. He's going home that tribal council unless he wins immunity. And, and that's that's guaranteed. But in Heroes versus Villains, there's actually a great shot. He goes deep in the game if he isn't injured. And so looking back on that fifth tribal council of that season, again, Tom and Colby are on the outside of the Alliance. JT's just voted with them to take out Sari, but is now back with Amanda and James and Rupert. Candace is kind of working with them, but no one really trusts Candace, uh, which again is a theme throughout some of her seasons. And we see them vote out Tom over James. Now the very next episode, they do kind of, begrudgingly vote out James because he just simply is not in a, a good enough place physically to, to stay in the game. Right. But let's, let's say, you know, what if he's not injured and I'm not making an argument for him because we don't like that didn't happen. Right. He did get injured period, but let's play a little what if game of like, if he's not injured, they, they vote out Tom and then they vote out either Colby or Candace, but now James is in the final five of the heroes, if it plays out the same way, he's making the merge. He could likely go pretty deep. You know, they, they spared Colby by voting out James. Colby was the last remaining hero and got fifth place that season. James could have went really deep and we don't know what that dynamic could have looked like. Now, is he targeted early because he's a social threat, physical threat, because he's tight with Amanda and potentially Courtney, if she's in there, like, I, I don't know. Uh, but it would be really cool to see how far he would have made it in heroes versus villains because he made it seventh twice there's a good argument to say he likely would have made about that again if not higher yeah it's outlast i think that this is a hard category to nail down but that idea of him being injured being weak and outlasting a healthy person is is a very literal example of him outlasting in the game of survivor Uh, when he didn't necessarily deserve to or need to because of his injury, they kept him around for whatever reason. And, and likely, I think that goes back to the outwit and his social capital. All all fair points. Uh, for both of these, it's easy to say, what if? I would argue that Eric's what if is more likely than James's what if, only because Eric can control his destiny by winning challenges. I do think James probably gets targeted early or earlier in like a post-merge only because he's so rigid, right? Yeah. Because, because his like play is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flip-flop around people. It would be so fun to see though. Like you think of that heroes versus villains merge of like seeing the reunion of Amanda and Parvati yeah. and like that dynamic, which leads to Parvati's double idol play, which leads to the downfall of the heroes and all this stuff. 
Right. But the James and Poverty reunion, like, <laughs> would have been so good to see because she burned him real bad. Um, yeah. And, and so I'd, I'd just be curious to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, if Eric's not medevac, there's a great chance he makes it to the end. Potentially wins, maybe not. If, yeah. At least in Micronesia, if James is not medevac, he's voted out in the same place. Alas, we are at the end of our time. Alex, why don't you go ahead and make your closing argument for why James is better than Eric? So Caleb, in the context of Survivor, you know, in the game, okay. with the 20 people, 18, 16, however many people, the three elements of it are outwit, outplay, and outlast, right? Yeah. But Survivor is also a television show. And we as the audience get to have kind of this fourth element of Survivor. And that's really the entertainment value of the castaways. And, and I think that contributes to how great Survivor players are. And, and so James is like so likable and so dynamic and just has this like, like I said at the top of the episode, like, He's so likable and, and has this really great sense of humor, but he's also a massive guy who buries people for a living. And it's like, how, how can you not just be captivated by that kind of survivor player? You know, he's not a mastermind of survivor, like many players that we like to talk about, but he's a solid all around player with that old school mentality. He has tight alliances, he's physical, he's social, and he played well despite multiple injuries of his survivor legacy and, and because of that i think he's a great player i just love how you make your own categories to try to make an argument to win but <laughs> just going out coloring outside the lines alex way to go as you that's, as you typically do it's called creativity <laughs> oh goodness you know james was on heroes versus villains and he is a likable guy, but I actually think he's a likable guy because of his the way Survivor edited him. At the very beginning of Heroes versus Villains, Parvati and Courtney both kind of agree that, James, you're on the wrong side, buddy. You're a villain. And if you don't know anything about, like, up to that point, everyone's like, well, why? Like, James is... And then you see some of it, like his like frustration and things that happen during the, the season. He's like, oh, maybe he is a villain. He's just breaking stereotypes. That's all. Yeah, sure. So Alex, we have this thing with our friends that we talk about this like dichotomy of like true hero, like you are a hero and everyone thinks you're a hero, true villain, you are a villain, everyone thinks you're a villain, or everyone thinks you're a villain, but you're actually a hero. Well, James is the villain that everyone thinks he is a hero. And so we want to talk about likable guys. If we want to talk about true entertainment and legacy of Survivor, I'm going to tell you about the skinny little kid. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. I'm on a roll here, Alex, who has his ice cream scoop. And he is the hero that we all need, the, all, the one that we all deserve, the one who is willing to give up his immunity to try to win the game. And maybe it's a boneheaded mistake. Sure, probably. But who can I relate to? I'm not relating to the guy that's 6'3 and, you know, is, is jacked as all can be. I'm relating to the guy that's a super fan that is on the show. And, yeah, I'm going to make some mistakes too. But you know what? I'm going to have some fun while I do it. And that is the definition of Eric Reichenbach. And he is the survivor player. We all will probably be, even though we don't want to be. He wins, in my eyes, an outwit. He wins, in my eyes, an outplay. And he wins in my eyes for outlast. And so there's nothing left to say here. I really brought out the theatrics in that one. 
Listen, if you're uh, gonna bring up your own category of entertainment, yeah. I'm gonna be theatrical. Hey, the close closing argument is like a free for all in my mind. Oh, I mean, that's, for sure. that's where you, you throw in anything. But that idea of you know the the villain that everyone thinks is a hero. I personally think is a wonderful category to be in and I support all people. That's, that's that you. That's, just so everyone's clear. Alex is the villain that everyone thinks is a hero. And I am the hero that everyone thinks is a villain. I'm just Which a nice is, guy. It's a hard, it's hard to be here. I'm just a nice guy. All right, Caleb, I think we need to stop here while we're ahead of ourselves. Everyone, thank you so much for listening this week. We are so excited to be bringing you more episodes and more content into the year. We have some really fun ideas planned, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. And if not, well, Caleb and I are going to enjoy recording it anyway. So, uh, Caleb, any closing thoughts for our listeners as we end our episode this week? Yeah, just one, and I think uh, it's important, is I hate you. Wow. Okay. Well, that being said, please follow us on Instagram and you can uh, watch all the, all the love that's being spread between Caleb and I on our social media page. Uh, we're on Instagram at Speaking Llama. Let us know what you think about this. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, who you think won, any things that Caleb missed in his argument or any things he exaggerated or anything you really liked that I said. So hope you enjoy it and hope you have a great week ahead. I love that you're not biased, Alex. Thanks so much. Anytime, anytime.